be seated. All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen at the instruments. Appreciate your part in the service, and of course, yours too, as we sing together and lift our voices in song. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn in them to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's one reference I'd like you to turn to. That's kind of the home verse. But you need to lamber up your fingers because uh, we're going to be darting around here in Scripture this morning. And um, once you find 2 Timothy chapter 3, I would uh, ask you then to also turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Poke your bulletin or something in 2 Timothy 3 and, uh, and also find Isaiah chapter 5. A um, couple of prayer requests that we need to keep in mind and, and um, as you're turning, and that is um, the folk who are, our folk who are in the hospital, uh, Dessa and Charlene. Dessa's out of the hospital into rehab, and I hope uh, Arzy was hoping she would be out soon. Um, I mentioned to you about uh, Charlene uh, having some difficulties that were treated, um, you know, outpatiently, and she wound up having a, a slight stroke in the middle of the night, and, and Belinda took her into the hospital. She's in the hospital. Uh, they don't think it was a, a severe one, but it has affected her somewhat, and um, so we need to keep her in our prayers. Also, um, we had Shelby Thompson uh, that had that uh, surgery, and that again, pretty severe situation that that she went through uh, with this cancer. Just, I guess there's just a few folk in the whole United States that that have the kind of cancer she has. It's fast growing. Uh, it does not respond to chemo or radiation. Surgery is the only uh, way to treat it. And uh, her surgery about a year ago was major, major, major. Um, quite a few things removed out of the area where this cancer was at. Um, long recovery. This time, the surgery wasn't quite as extensive, but pretty extensive. They had to remove a certain amount of her small intestine and, uh, and part of her back muscle. So uh, she's um, in the hospital recovering. Let's keep her in our prayers. And of course, we have, have many others that, uh, and like I said to you, if you have a prayer uh, need, please let us know because um, that's what we do on Wednesday night. And of course, many can't be here Wednesday night and, and we have a prayer chain in the middle of the week that if there's something that needs to be said prior to coming on Wednesday night, uh, we spread the word. Uh, on the prayer chain, and, and uh, just let us know if, if you have a need, and we'll take care of it. You know, this has been quite a week, hasn't it, as we think of, of uh, what's taken place in, in the news. Uh, I could say that about any Sunday through the course of 2021. And, of course, I've said it over the years. Um, uh, you know, as we see the condition of the day that we live in and... and um, the t things that are transpiring. I know that I did a series on prophecy early on when I was first here, and about every four or five years, an update on prophecy as as the stage continues to be set. And and um, and here this year, you know, 
um, something that this church has never had to do in 75 years, and that's to shut down and not have services for five weeks, as we did back in March, uh, clear into the last Sunday of April. And now um, they tell us that, uh, uh, you know, don't hug, don't shake hands, don't do the things that we enjoy doing as we fellowship together. And, of course, we realize that it's probably wise to, to do this and not do this. But uh, because of, of what's going on in this pandemic, COVID, uh, you know, we're advised by the authorities not to enjoy Christmas with our loved ones and uh, after Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, stay home for Thanksgiving, stay home for Christmas, uh, don't enjoy the holidays like you normally would. And um, churches are having, uh, we're very fortunate here that, that we have the liberty we do as a church. Uh, we can sing, but that's not the case everywhere. Um, when we had our 75th anniversary service and we're kind of packed in here and it was, it was just a little bit touchy with regards to um, exposure, you know, not good ventilation, uh, comfortably full, I think it were, were not for COVID, we'd have had standing room only and probably the fellowship hall full downstairs with that 75th anniversary. Uh, but by God's grace, we were able to uh, have that. And, and uh, according to our understanding, uh, no one contracted COVID over the whole matter. But um, um, And then as we have seen over the course of this year, the... Um, the rioting and the burning and the looting and the breaking down of storefronts and <clears throat> people scrambling in to take the goods out of these stores. And, and um, we are told by the anti-American folk who are trying to destroy our country as it was founded, that all oh, they just, it's not, it's not a riot, it's just, they gotta find a way to express themselves. Okay, um, and that's what we've been told uh, all along by most of the powers that be. And, and then here this past week when, when uh, thousands of supporters of Trump conservatives, um, a few of them chose to break the law and, and uh, storm the Capitol, which was against the law and shouldn't have been done. There's no doubt about it. But now everybody's all up in arms, you know, that uh, look at the Trump supporters. They're, they're rioting and they're carrying on. And when they pass it off, is it just before a way to express yourself? Um, kind of makes you wonder what on earth is going on. And uh, if the Lord continues to lead, uh, I don't have probably too many more times in this pulpit. Um, so I'd kind of like to address that here today. In Isaiah chapter uh, 5, that's where I want to start. So if you have that place, notice with me what the prophet Isaiah said uh, concerning, concerning his day. In verse 20, Isaiah 5:20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. What on earth is going on? Well, this pretty well describes uh, our day and, and the condition of our day. It has only been ramped up this year, and I think COVID's largely responsible. Well, not largely. COVID has been used, let me say that. COVID has been used. It's a, it's a real thing. People are dying from it, and so we do what we can. But uh, people have taken advantage of that and have uh, imposed uh, all sorts of restrictions. Thank the Lord we live in Montana, huh? It's no wonder people are moving to Montana. Um, all kinds of, of folk are, are coming here. Um, but this pretty well describes what's, what we see today. Um, and, of course, I don't think we need to be taken back and real, real surprised because um, this was spoken, oh, goodness sakes, 2,700 years ago with regards to the condition of the day there in Israel. Man has been the same all along, and only the Lord can change a man's heart and, and give purpose and, and clarity and, and a sense of right and wrong. And, and um, uh, Satan has contested that from the get-go, from when he fell from his original created position as Lucifer, one of the angels. And yet he was so wise and, and so beautiful, as described in Ezekiel chapter 28, that pride welled up within his heart. And he thought, hey, I want to have the things that are due my creator. And pride, uh, he fell, took a large host of the angelic realm with him in that fall, and, and they have been ever since trying to replace God. And uh, we see that happening in our country, and it's sad to see that happening in our country. Um, our country was founded upon biblical principles by men who know, knew right from wrong, many who knew the Lord personally, not everyone, but they even then had a sense of right and wrong, and, and uh, that's why God has blessed our country's soul over these years. And yet, what we see in our day is those who do not like the way our country was founded and are doing their best to try to overthrow it as it is and uh, lead the way in that. And as we see, <laughs> as we see what's taking place, and, and even in the runoff election down in Georgia, we shake our heads and say, what on earth is going on? Um, three things that I would like us to consider today under that title, first of all, uh, the condition of our day. Uh, socially, there in the second passage, or one of the passages I ask you to turn to in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, you got your bulletin there, right? Uh, notice with me, bringing this, um, oh goodness sakes, bringing it about 700 days forward from the day of, of uh, Isaiah to Timothy's day, Paul's day as he wrote to Timothy. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Um, we're right in the middle of that, and of course we can fast forward that 
uh, all the way through the church age, um, as this was a challenge to Timothy and, and remains a challenge to us today. But the perilous times of these last days is certainly, we see it socially. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You know, some of this uh, just seems like kind of a normal way of life, right? Unthankful, uh, unholy, not living godly lives, proud, without natural affection going on in verse 3, truce breakers, making a promise and not keeping it, false accusers, it seems like everything that, that Trump has been accused of this year, uh, you know, they point a finger and there's, there's three pointing back that they've been guilty of themselves. Um, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You know, you try to say something. You try to stand up for what's right. You try to clarify the moment. And what happens? You're censored. There's no room for discussion. Be quiet. Don't say anymore. Traitor, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Uh, there are those, and this, this kind of hits a little closer to home within professed Christendom, or those who uh, gather themselves together in churches, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts. And of course, I think that um, it is said that, that the Woman is, is the weaker vessel, and that's not to uh, put a woman at an inferior position. God has just created man and woman different, and yet we're being told that there is no difference. And if you don't like how you were born, you can uh, do something different if you don't like it that way. And, um, but leading captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, Janus and Jambres withstood Moses as they withstood Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Um, you know, go back and, and see how Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Um, pride welled up within them, and they said, who are you, Moses, uh, to be the only spokesman for God? They felt like, as Levites, they had a, a right as much as Moses to speak for him. And, and uh, you understand what the end result of that was, I think. Maybe you do. Well, that's the one where uh, Moses, at the command of God, said, clear everybody back from their place, their dwelling place, their tents. And um, 
And there's going to be something happen here that has never happened before. And the earth opened up and swallowed them up. And that was it. Um, we don't see and we don't expect to see such a thing happening today. But that's what God thinks of such insurrection and those who, who um, have these corrupt minds uh, reprobate concerning the faith and, and uh, resisting the truth. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was. So socially, I don't see, this is one of many passages you could turn to. The one we just looked at uh, in Isaiah chapter 5 also uh, describes the condition of our day uh, socially. It is an accurate description, and you could spend you could spend a lot of time there looking at the details of that, but I'd like us to consider the condition of our day globally. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. The condition of our day uh, socially or personally, uh, we have seen there in these verses we've looked at. In Matthew chapter 24, um, it kind of gives us a, a glimpse of the global situation. Matthew chapter 24 um, Jesus uh, went out onto the Mount of Olives, and, and what we have here is what's called the Olivet Discourse. Uh, in verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And of course, uh, that's kind of in response to what he said in verse 2, that there's coming a day when not one stone will be left on the other of that mighty, magnificent uh, palace and temple that Herod had built. And, um, and Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 4, Take heed that no man deceive you, so for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all those things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. He's describing what it will be like at the end of the age, globally. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now this is to the Jews. This was to his disciples. And that's what he is saying. The Jews will be hated of all nations for my sake. And then shall many be offended, and they shall betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12. And because the iniquity, uh, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And, and that is a indication and of course the whole passage is an indication and, and it needs to be interpreted in light of of the primary application here the primary application is before the the second coming of Christ in great power and great glory which is described in verse 30 and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And we realize that seven years before that event that there's going to be a rapture of the church. And so these things that he's talking about here, the, 
the condition globally uh, are during that tribulation period, and yet they cast a shadow backward into the church age that we see. I mean, again, it's like reading the newspaper. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall be and then shall the end come. And of course, that's talking about the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, much like what John the Baptist was preaching when Jesus came the first time, and it will be preached again before the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. A different gospel than we preach today. Gospel is all good news, and uh, and yet this gospel here, preaching to the ends of the world, doesn't have Anything to do with the church age, now that's our commission, of course. So, in a sense, it has to do, but this is a different thing here. Over in the book of Revelation, you see where even an angel will fly through the sky during the tribulation period and proclaim this gospel. Verse 15, And when therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Now the abomination of desolation, if you go back and study that, and we don't have time to get into that, but it, it is an event that takes place in the middle of the tribulation period. In conjunction with it, Satan is cast out of heaven. He no longer has access to go up to heaven and accuse the brethren. He's cast out of heaven. He's down here on this earth. He begins to pursue and persecute Israel with vehemence. And, and like he has never done before, he's, he's been trying to take away God's people's effectiveness and nullify their testimony, all, all of the people's existence. But he's talking about uh, during this middle of this tribulation period, and, and you c connect that back with Daniel, where, he, where the prophecy is first given about Daniel's 70 weeks, and that seventh week, that seven, uh, uh, 70th seven-year period. Verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And it's going to be as bad as it ever could get on this earth. Satan and his uh, vehemence against God's people, against the chosen, against those that respond to the preaching of that gospel of the kingdom during that time. There will be many saved during that time. God has never left himself without a witness. But if the Lord didn't end it, and he's going to end it with his second advent coming in great power and great glory, um, there were, mankind would just literally destroy himself. So that's kind of a glimpse of, of the global situation as, as these signs of the times, they're called, kind of cast a shadow backwards. Uh, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Um, there is an increase in that. And here we have a global pandemic that kind of is a, just a reminder of, of such things as that. Also, the condition of our day nationally, I would like you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. 
in Daniel chapter 10. Satan has national interests. He has personal interests. He'd love to cause me havoc in my Christian life. He'd love to get me to be set aside and and destroy my testimony and my reputation. He'd love to do that. And if I give him an inch, then he's gonna he's not gonna be happy till he gets it all. And it's no different for you or the next man. He's got personal interests. He's got ecclesiastical interests. He would love to take a good church and and destroy his testimony through division and and upset and and COVID or whatever means that he can do that. But he also has national interests, and that's what I am going to what we're going to see here in Daniel chapter ten. Uh, Gabriel was sent to Daniel, and yet notice uh, Daniel began to pray. He realized that. Uh, as he was reading Jeremiah's prophecy that, that this uh, Babylonian captivity is going to be over in 70 years. And he starts thinking about that and, and praying about that. And, and God uh, sent uh, verse 12 of Daniel 10. Then said he to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come... For thy words, but the prince of the king, kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me and remained there with the kings of Persia. The king of Persia. Persia was a rising empire. This was during the tail end and the dropping off period of the Babylonian empire with the world power at that time. Satan has his eyes and his target set on world powers. Notice verse 20 of this chapter. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come to thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia will come. And that's the next world power in the order of world powers of this world. Satan has national interests. And you can be certain he's got his target set on America. Because America has been a beacon of light. America has been a bastion for those who do right. And America has stood for the nation of Israel. And America has been built upon those who were seeking to have freedom in worship. And not have it crammed down their throat that this is how you're going to be. And, of course, our founding documents are, are um, I believe, the men that put those things together were of the Lord, and yet everybody wants to tear all that stuff down. Satan has national interests, the condition of our day. i got to go on, though, because I can't quit there. Goodness. My next major thrust today is the consolation of our day. Um, the consolation or the, the comfort that we can receive in all of this, the, the, where we can turn for some strength to, to buoy us up as we see what's going on and, and uh, how do we deal with this? What, where's our hope as we look about? 
as we see what we see is it just seems to get worse and worse and worse on a, on a regular basis. Our consolation. Well, first of all, might I mention to you <laughs> that God is sovereign. We understand and know that. The sovereignty of God is where our consolation begins. The sovereignty of God is the truth that God is in supreme and complete control of all things. Nothing is spiraling out of his control. He is the absolute authority. He rules over all. He does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases. No one or no thing can thwart his plan or purpose from being fulfilled. If the entire world were against him, it would not make one iota of difference. If the entire world were for him, it would not make one iota of difference because God is sovereign. Turn with me to, first of all, Daniel chapter uh, 4. We're in Daniel 11. You don't have to go far. I can't see the screen. There it is. I already had Daniel 4 up there. Um, Notice in Daniel 4, and this is, this is the words of Nebuchadnezzar after seven years of insanity. In Daniel 4, 34 and 35, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. We're talking about the God of Daniel, the God of Israel. And all the inhabitants, he goes on to say, Nebuchadnezzar, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what are you doing? Go with me back to Proverbs chapter 21 as we just examine a little while here the sovereignty of God in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1 this is where hopefully your fingers are limbered up it says there Proverbs 21 1 the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar, or Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar prior to, prior to his seven years of insanity, he had compassion on him. He didn't want to interpret that dream because he thought, oh, goodness, this is not good. <laughs> he said, it's going to happen so that... Uh, men would know that it is the, the Lord, God of Israel, that raises up powers and takes them down. The king's heart, we see here, is in, is in the uh, hand of the Lord. Turn with me to Ephesians if you think we're just talking about Old Testament stuff here. Ephesians chapter 1. And it's hard to just pull one verse out of 
Ephesians chapter 1 here because we got a we got a whole host of wonderful wonderful things for the believer starting in verse 3 Ephesians 1 3 blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ and it goes on but I can't take time to read it all verse 11 in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will God is sovereign. We have what we have in Christ because God determined it before the foundation of the world. Revelations chapter 19. Just prior to the second coming of Christ in power and great glory. At the conclusion of the tribulation period. In fact, his return there that we saw being described in, in Matthew chapter 24 is, is described in more detail here in Revelation 19. Um, notice what it says in verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And this is a, this is a scene in heaven. As it were, the voice of many waters. Can't imagine, but I think we can as he describes it the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God is sovereign. Over in Habakkuk, I'm not going to take time for you to turn there and look, but in Habakkuk, Habakkuk was burdened with the sin in the nation of Israel. And it bothered him, and, and he couldn't believe how God could just sit back and let it go. And, and God says, you've got a problem with that, Habakkuk. Wait till I tell you what I'm going to do about it. And he says, I'm going to bring the Chaldeans down upon my children, Israel. And they're going to be punished with the Chaldeans. And, and Habakkuk says, Lord, how can you do that? How could you take someone that's, that's more wicked than, than they and, and bring punishment upon your people with wicked people? And the, the implication of it is, my friends, that God uses even the evil influences and intents of man and Satan for his purposes because he's sovereign. He does as he will. Another thing that uh, is our consolation, and that is a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm not going to take the time to turn there because I see the clock is uh, fleeting right away. But if you examine scriptures prior to the tribulation period, there is this snatching away of all born-again believers off the face of this earth in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ are those who have passed on. Christ will bring his souls with them. This is church-age believers. Their bodies will be resurrected out of the grave to be reunited with their souls. And we which are alive and remain on this earth will be caught up together to be with them, with the Lord. It is in the clouds. He doesn't come to earth. I don't think that the world will even know what happened except all of a sudden there's going to be millions of people gone. And in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, you won't even notice until you look over there and say, well, where'd he go? So a pre-tribulation rapture 
is our consolation. Um, also, those exceeding great and precious promises are, are our consolation. And of course, you, I don't need you to turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, because you've been there over and again. I'm going to go as quick as I can to it and read what we see there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His power. We have all things that pertain to life and godliness. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. Is that describe you? If you know Christ as your Savior, it ought to. Because in Christ we have everything we need for this life and for godliness. And in verse 4, it describes how this happens. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So my friends, we have so much consolation. No matter what the condition of the day is, we've got a sovereign God that we know is on the throne. We know that there's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture, and we have these promises. If God has promised that he will take care of us, then my friends, you need to understand that that's just exactly what he'll do. One last thing, the commission of our day. Personally, you don't need to turn to Habakkuk. I think I can describe it. Habakkuk said, Lord, surely you're more righteous than to use wicked Babylon to punish your people. That's where I see it, the Lord. And he says, I'm going to get on the watchtower and I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch for the answer. And God speaks to Habakkuk. It's a conversation back and forth in Habakkuk. And God speaks to Habakkuk. And he says, uh, it's going to tarry for a while. But you just wait. It's going to happen. What I'm here to tell you, as he was asking for an explanation, God says, I'm going to tell you so that so that as you receive it, you can uh, read and run with it. In other words, the importance of this message that I've got to tell you, you can take to others. And what did he say? The just shall live by faith. That was God's answer. Habakkuk, you may not understand, but you've got to trust me. The just shall live by faith. And we see that that is repeated three times in the New Testament. It is the watchword of Christianity. If God has promised that he'll take care of us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, then, my friends, we just need to trust him. We need to believe him. And you know what faith is. I like it as described of Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4 where he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That's what faith is not. We got a promise. Oh, Lord, how can we do? Well, he tells us clearly how we can do. Are we going to stagger at that? Are we going to not claim that promise because Satan puts a question mark where God has put a period? 
Or are we going to do what that passage goes on to say? He was fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able to do. If God has given you a promise that will impact our lives as we uh, see the condition of our day and whatever personally is going on and globally is going on and nationally is going on and sometimes personally in our own lives there's things that, that have nothing to do with, with the political system that we uh, see being forced down our throat or, or the, the pandemic situation that we adjust our course for. It might be something altogether different, but I'm here to tell you it is through those exceeding great and precious promises whereby we can be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. And we can do, but you've got to believe personally. You've got to have faith socially. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to finish this because I'm not going to be in the pulpit. So I'm going to finish it fast. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 following out of that clear passage about the pre-tribulation rapture tells us how we need to live socially. It tells us that we need to be awake, that we need to watch, that we need to uh, be sober. We are not children of the dark. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come upon them. But that day doesn't need to overtake us like a thief in the night. Because we can open our spiritual eyes and we can see the, we can read the tea leaves, if you please. And see the condition of our day and we can be awake and we can be living for the Lord. And we can be walking for the Lord and we can be doing what the Lord would have us to do socially. And over in Second Peter or 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks how we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood that should shine as lights in this dark world that we live in. And in chapter 3 and verse 15 of 1 Peter, it tells us that, that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. That's what we're here to do. And collectively, as a church, it hasn't changed. Since that commission that God gave to those disciples before he ascended back to heaven. Disciple all nations. And of course that starts with salvation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's that first step of obedience for all believers. Discipleship doesn't stop there though. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And my friends, those are the marching orders. Collectively as a church... And by God's grace and his provision and his mercy, I trust this church will move on as I step aside and we get another pastor. But I realize, too, this church is you. And so that depends upon you, each and every one of us, doing what we can. As I step aside and a new pastor comes, and, and whether or not it is Pastor Brian Arnsberger, doesn't matter. He'll be the man. And that's why we've been looking and observing and careful in our choices to pick a man that, that will take this church, continue on till the Lord comes. Because if you go back to where we started, 
1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul gives the solution to the perilous times of these last days. He says in verse 14 to Timothy, he says, you continue right out of the perilous times of these last days. You continue in the things which thou hast learned. That's verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14, and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And of course, it was his grandmother Lois, the unfeigned faith of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. God's word, he says, the holy scriptures are able to save souls. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God might be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. My friends, not only will God's word save souls as we live it, as we speak it, as we adjust accordingly to what's going on. It shouldn't be an adjustment. It should just be a challenge to keep on keeping on. It will equip God's people completely. And so he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as is appearing in his kingdom. In other words, Timothy, your ministry needs to stand the scrutiny of a sovereign God. Not man. If men want to do what's right, they'll be okay with it. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And of course, that's some of the part of a ministry that a pastor doesn't really like. But as you preach the word, it's, it's not a personal thing. It's God and his word that reproves, rebukes, corrects, gives the instruction and in righteousness to the encouragement we need to keep on keeping on for the Lord. Verse 3 there of chapter 4, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and, and shall be turned unto fables. And my friends, we see so many churches in this day that we live that one time were good churches, solid churches, Stayed on the truths of God's word that have just kind of veered off to the side and have gone this way that seems better to them, to please men. They don't like to hear about the blood. They don't like to hear these long, boring messages. And it has been long, and it's time to quit. Here we see... The commission, it's a personal thing. It's a social thing. In other words, where we rub shoulders with people. You could look at in Second Peter chapter 3, and it, those who scoff at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, where is the promise of he coming? Well, God's not slack concerning his promises, but he's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. And then you connect that with the... A verse following, it says, This long-suffering of the Lord is for the salvation of souls. If the Lord tarries another day, which he might not, 
But if he does, it's for the salvation of souls. And, and that's, where, that's what we've been saved for. That's why we're here. That's why we're left. That's why we are in, endeavoring to call another pastor, should the Lord tarry, that can carry on the ministry of this church, that can challenge God's people to continue to be what God has called them to be. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being ambassadors, official representatives of our homeland, heaven, serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No greater privilege known to man. Father, that's been my privilege over these many, many years to stand in this pulpit. But Father, it's not been my privilege alone because the church is all your people. You've gifted each and every one of us, Father, in a way that we can serve our Savior in a God-honoring way in the ministry of the local church. Thank you for those who've rolled up their sleeve and have served over the years. And Father, we thank you for uh, that which you've done in our midst over the years. And yet we realize the condition of our day is a pretty dark day. And yet, Father, our light can shine even brighter. And it's easier to uh, shine a light in, in the darkness. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to accomplish that which you've left us here to do great consolation that we have because of who you are and the promises you've given unto us. Help us, Father, to be faithful to you as you are faithful to us, and we'll be sure to thank you for it. pray in Jesus' name. Amen.